I am so glad that you have joined us today for part two of Do Not Be Afraid. Last week we began part one and the theme of that, of course, is the storm that has hit us with the coronavirus and comparing that to the storm that hit Jesus' disciples while they were in the boat. In part one, we learned that the safest place to be is in the boat, even if it's in the middle of a storm, as long as Jesus is in your boat. If you'd like to take a look at that part one, that's available to you on our website. In part two, I wanna change the uh, setting. It's still a setting of fear a little bit. If you'll join me in just a little story from my childhood. I grew up in Japan. My parents were missionaries. I have five siblings, or four siblings, there's five of us in the family, and uh, we experience a fear that's kind of unique to Japan, I suppose, and maybe some other places. Maybe you haven't experienced, experienced this. We would have earthquakes hit uh, our area quite frequently. And so as a child, you can imagine when the earthquake begins, it starts with a rattle and then starts to rumble. It gets really loud and often, it would then create a power outage. So the most frightening times would be when it was dark already and now the lights are out and you feel completely alone. In the middle of our situation uh, that a lot of us are experiencing now, it's a little bit like that. We feel alone. Why is it that things are more frightening in the dark? I think it's because we can't see each other. We're a little disoriented. Sometimes throughout the night, I'm a little sleepy and my scariest times are in the dark because I'm dealing with things that I'm not quite alert to, not quite able to bring objectivity to, and the darkness just creates uh, an aloneness, an isolation. So we have that situation going on with us, even in the daytime, as we don't know what's gonna happen next. We keep getting new information and new changes, and we're adapting to those as a church together. And so it feels like a lot of things are in the dark. In Japan, we children would immediately look to our parents and look for our parents, and our parents would immediately look for us. And I would find great comfort in seeing my dad who seemed unshaken by an earthquake. He would uh, bring light and turn it on for us. And sometimes my mom would light a candle or several candles and then we would feel a lot better about the situation. We still didn't know if there would be after tremors and things that were coming, but through that process, we learned some things. I'm an adult now I can't go to my earthly father, but I still go to my heavenly father. And so before we continue any further today together, I'd like to do that and lead you in a prayer, a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray when his disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. He said, this is how you should pray. So I'm gonna lead it not as a memorized prayer. I'm gonna lead us in prayer as I often pray it, it's an outline for me with five points, five simple prayers that you can kind of see and I'll pause and just kind of pray. Join me as we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, you are holy to be revered. You are other. You are so beyond my thinking and imagination. You are sovereign. Nothing surprises you. 
The storm doesn't surprise you. This whole thing doesn't surprise you. You have a plan for it. And so we trust you. We love you. We invite you to do what you have planned. And we just revere your name and we look to you. Even as I look to my, my earthly father for comfort in darkness, I look to you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord God, you have plans, big plans. Your kingdom is on the move right now. You are on the move through me. Allow your kingdom to come down over me, into me, through me. Touch each one who is listening today. Allow your kingdom reign to reign through us, to blow away the darkness, to blow away the fear. The prayer you taught us even gives us an, just this suspicion, but it's actually a truth that what your will is in heaven doesn't quite match what's going on right here on earth. And we are to pray to close that gap. And we're asking you to close that gap. There's a darkness here that we're asking you to close. A curse uh, from the sin of this world, a darkness that we're experiencing even now, we ask you to do something about. Lord God, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Lord God, I look to your word. You give us what we need. Our bodies need bread. Our souls need food as well. And you nourish us and you give us precisely what we need today. And we ask you to do that for us today. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord God, I stand before you in need of your forgiveness. I thank you for receiving that forgiveness. I thank you for giving me freedom with all the gifts you've given me. You hold nothing back. You held even your, you didn't hold your son back, your most treasured and loved son because you loved us that much. And so you, we know that you're not gonna hold back what we need today. And, as we've been forgiven and as you've given to us, we choose to forgive those who have hurt us. And we choose to release the bitterness inside of us. And we choose to be givers instead of takers, just as you've asked us to pray. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's an enemy that would like to see our church shrink at this time. There's an enemy that would like to tempt us to avoid uh, connecting with you when there's this social distancing that we are experiencing. And we ask that you would not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the designs of the enemy and empower us to connect in new ways and empowering ways and to see your kingdom expand. Yours is the glory and the power and the kingdom forever. We thank you and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here's what I'd like to do to begin uh, the message today is addressing this phrase that's been thrust upon us, this phrase, social distancing. Someone has said, social distancing, it's the introvert's dream come true. And that's a little funny if you look at it that way. Now, you may or may not know this about me, but I'm an introvert. And although that's true, let me go on record to say, I do not feel this way. It's not a dream come true to be separated from you and speaking to a camera. That's really awkward for me because every preaching setting is such a live setting where God is at work and I'm interacting with you and it's just a person to person, heart to heart thing. 
But God can use this, and I'd like to say, although that's so hard, I believe that this is a time for some new changes to take place, and God can do some big things, bigger things than we've ever dreamt about, and that's what is um, capturing my attention right now. So yesterday morning, I still hadn't settled in on what I was going to preach before you. I've been mulling things over and uh, it just hit me that this social distancing that has been forced upon us and even the concept of quarantine is something that the early church had to deal with. Two people in particular had to deal with it in incredibly hard ways. And I have a quote here to kind of deal with that. Some of the most encouraging words we have about following Jesus in difficult times came from Paul's and John's pens while they were still, or while they were in quarantine. Now, their quarantine wasn't uh, quarantine because of illness. In John's case, he was arrested and put into exile onto this little tiny island which was used uh, to house prisoners to exile them uh, as a political exile. And his powerful influence in the gospel expansion had become so powerful that the government is trying to quarantine him to not affect the people with such power. And so he's put on the island of Patmos. The, the amazing thing about this is, this is 95 AD, he's now an old man, and on the island, he had, uh, according to tradition and some of the early church fathers' writings, he was there for a year and a half. In that time frame where he is experiencing this social distancing and isolation from all his brothers and sisters in Christ, he experiences a vision on a Sunday while he's worshiping God. And he uh, begins to write furiously everything that he sees in this vision and produces what is the capstone of the Bible, the end story of how during the most difficult of times that are coming towards the end, God sees us through and his kingdom wins in the climactic uh, clash between light and darkness. His kingdom wins. Win. So Revelation puts that together for us. And that comes out of this social distancing, quarantine experience that John had. Where we're gonna spend most of our time together is looking at this other quarantine with Paul, where he's arrested. It's not illness that c confines him. It is, again, his gospel effectiveness. He was the one much earlier in the 60s, and earlier than that, spread the gospel, and the entire Roman Empire was being so transformed by this expansive expansion that, uh, of the, the gospel, turning the world upside down from the government's perspective, but turning right side up from God's perspective, everything was changing so rapidly, Paul is experiencing a delay in his arrest. It all begins in Jerusalem. He's arrested, tried before the Sanhedrin. It looks like he's gonna be killed, and he appeals to the Roman soldier that he is a Roman citizen, which frightens him, and he appeals to Caesar because he shouldn't be treated the way he's treated. So he's gonna be taken out of that jurisdiction, go to Rome, and be tried under Caesar. But then he's transported to Caesarea because his life is in danger. And in Caesarea, he stays 
there two years before he's even transported to Rome. There's no trial, it's just a waiting period. And then finally he gets an all expense paid trip to Rome. He's always hoped to go to Rome to get the gospel out to the extremities. God said that you're gonna go to Rome and preach and here he goes, but it's as a prisoner. Then in Rome, his trial still doesn't take place rapidly. He's in this quarantine for two more years. So he experienced four years of difficulty in quarantine, this social isolation. And can you imagine? He is used to preaching and seeing life after life after life change. And it just feels like suddenly the enemy has has put a, a squash on this and is screeching halt to the expansion of the kingdom of God. But Paul doesn't look at it this way. He realizes that God is bigger than that. The enemy has no ability to stop the expansion that God has in mind. So Paul begins to just worship and yield and he picks up the pen. He makes the most of it. He speaks to every Roman soldier that he's chained to and they start one by one becoming believers. If Paul hadn't been in that situation, you know what we would be missing? We'd be missing the prison epistles, which include Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and 2 Timothy. If you include John's work, we'd also be missing Revelation. So I'm pretty excited about what God can do with these kinds of difficult adjustments while we are experiencing what Paul and John experienced. Rather than feel like, oh, where you just can't do it anymore. All of us need to see that God is bigger than that. He's doing a new thing, and I believe that America needs this shift in our thinking the most, and we can reach people like we've never been able to before in new ways, and here we go. So on the screen is another quote for you that goes like this. God had bigger plans for the quarantine and social distancing than anyone could have realized. We see this in John and Paul's life. We're gonna see it in our lifetime as well. In John and Paul's life, God had in mind our lives, that we receive the information, this pertinent information we're about to study together that's gonna help us deal with what do you do when things are so hard? How do you view things? What do you do? We learn some of the best things from their experience and now we have that to share. Now, with these bigger plans that God has in mind, before we proceed, let me just make a few recommendations. Paul didn't settle in on, woe is me, I'm isolated. He didn't settle in on just everything's being taken away. He reoriented and he picked up his pen. Same with John. We are gonna need to figure out how to not get stuck and wallow in the bad news. And so let me make a couple of quick recommendations. We need to self-limit our exposure and intake of the bad news. And we need to do a lot of uh, new things to create more and more intake of the good news as we go through this time of difficulty together. We're gonna need to reach out to the Heavenly Father a lot like we just began this message with and reach out to the Father. Literally, like we're taking the hand of the Father as we pray and go to him in this darkness and let him bring comfort because he can see into the big picture. All we see is our little picture and it looks pretty bad, but from his big picture perspective, he sees how he's making good things happen. We're gonna need to trust him and hold the hand of the one who is the keeper of tomorrow. So that's what we're going to be working on together. On the screen, I want you to take a look at this. Just as God prepared Paul and John for their turn of events, 
He has prepared us for such a time as this. Wow, this technology, here we are. We're able to do things that we never even would have ventured out into except that we've been bumped into this and now we have some tools that can be used for good in ways that we would have never imagined doing so. So let's think outside of the box together and think what can we do now to reach more and that's the kind of thing that we're looking at together today. Here's the next thing I want you to focus on. We are not going to shrink back under social distancing. We are going to advance the cause of the gospel just like Paul and John did. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to wallow. We're going to advance the cause of the gospel. I believe we can move toward greater engagement through this storm, not less engagement. We have a fabulous staff here at this church and they're going to help me and, and they're gonna be involved in this too, bring more and more connectivity to us even as we're experiencing uh, some of the social distancing that is required at this time for our safety, we're gonna have experienced more connection and more connectivity and we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have to lean into some of these efforts. And so just as Paul picked up his pen and wrote things he wouldn't have otherwise written, he would have rather have just spoken face to face. I have been looking at that example and I think it's time for me to get involved in social media. Now I'm a not, I'm, I've never really been involved in social media, so I'm gonna rely on the staff and their expertise to help me to do that, to give you some daily encouragement and they're gonna kinda coach me through that and take some of the things that I'm gonna ponder through and give to you. Maybe that'll bring a little bit of stability. Maybe others will play into that as well. We're gonna be thinking through how do we stay even more connected rather than less connected. The church is not a meeting the church is not a building. We are the church, and we can advance the gospel in new and powerful ways. This is the perfect opportunity to see this happen. Now, our version events is open. If you would like to look at that, um, we're gonna continue to provide that for you as we uh, offer these videos. Point number one is this. If not, just listen. What has happened can advance the gospel. Listen to the words of Paul as he writes to the Philippians. Mind you, this is uh, writing while he's in chains, while he's in this quarantine, while he's in prison. He writes, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what was, has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That's Philippians 1.12. So when Paul was in prison, he took up his pen. So while we're experiencing the social distancing, we're gonna take up our pen as well. But by the way, we have more tools than Paul had. <laughs> we can take up our phone and close the gap in social distancing. We can take up all kinds of things, the tools that are available to us. We're now starting to learn how to do Zoom meetings in groups. We're trying to figure out how to meet together even when there's distance separating us to make these connections take place. Point number two, God has a plan and you have a pen. And I mean by that, you have the tools. 
It might be a pen, it might be a phone, it might be uh, some of these technological tools. It might be just your ability to make a connection with somebody that doesn't have the internet, that can't even see this today. Maybe you know that there's an older person or somebody that doesn't do the internet and you remember and you reach out to them and you want them to catch this message and be encouraged by it. And maybe you're gonna take that to them and help them to be encouraged as well. Now. Along that line, I have a video for you that I think will be encouraging to all of us to see how this might work in action. powerful illustration. It's really more like a parable. When we're experiencing the social distancing and we're outside of the group gathering, if you stay there, you're going to experience your faith diminish, the passion of your faith diminish. So you have to make an effort to be connecting, to, making, to be making connections. And as you do, it's not just you that you impact. As you do, you're adding your faith to the whole. And you'll notice from the video, the whole began to uh, burn with more power and passion. So this is what we are encouraging all of us to be thinking about. Out. I'm in, I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone, I'm gonna be doing new things and doing new things in new ways and all of us need to be thinking like that, I'm in. And this is what God wants from all of us to see that rather than shrinking back, the kingdom is gonna expand in new and powerful ways. So a revival fire begins to build with little commitments, little expressions of love, little acts of faith, little voices in worship, little habits, I'm in. So if you're a family, we're providing for you children's church via online streaming, and you wanna take advantage of that as a family. If you uh, know somebody that needs some of these connections, invite them to join you next week. Um, it's this kind of little commitments that's gonna make a difference. Now don't be afraid to uh, go out and share news with somebody. Perhaps there's somebody that you've never invited to church, but this is actually less threatening to invite them to not be afraid. We're gonna be in this Don't Be Afraid series for a few weeks together, so be thinking about those possibilities. On the screen is another quote. Don't use social distancing as an excuse to remain in isolation. Fear isolates you further, and social distancing is now the excuse to stay there, and I'm just telling you that's a dangerous place to remain. And be watching out for others that might be there as well. As we continue in this letter that Paul wrote, uh, from where we left off, now in Philippians 1, 13 through 14, we read this. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
I pray that that is something that we just ponder over and ponder over and ponder over. Can I challenge you to read Philippians this week? Read the entire thing, not just once. You might just want to live there and go there and ponder the amazing outlook and attitude that Paul has while he's in this quarantine, late into this quarantine, this unending, it seems like, uh, prison time where he's not sure how it's going to end. It's very upbeat. And so many have been affected by that good news that's just pouring through him that they are daring all the more to proclaim that good news without fear. Let's be like them. Point number three, let's dare to proclaim good news all the more. By the way, the temptation these days is to everybody commiserate over the bad news. The temptation these days is to reiterate the last set of bad news that we heard. The temptation these days is to take up a pen of a different sort and social media or wherever and just be angry or frustrated or grieving or uh, fearful and just spreading bad news and filling ourselves with bad news. We need to be intentional about good news intake allowing good news to flow into us and through us and affecting others. And so we need to dare to proclaim good news all the more. Dads, as I ponder how my dad comforted me, I can't imagine that the earthquake didn't unsettle him a bit but I wouldn't have known it. But I do know this about my dad. He had an unshaken faith. He hung on to the hand of his father. And as he hung on to the hand of his father, knowing that his father was gonna take care of him, he could present good news and comfort in a fearless way to his family. What does that look like for your family? It's gonna look like not just trying hard to put up a front. It's gonna mean you dads are gonna need to connect with your heavenly father. You're you're gonna need to hold his hand. You're gonna need to learn how to pray the prayer like I modeled for you earlier today. And as you do that, begin to bring a good news that's flowing through you to your family. Each of us can be working towards being people of good news to share in our settings, wherever they may be. I'm gonna close today by reading a scripture, but before I read that scripture, I wanna challenge each of us to do something that's gonna feel a little odd because we're not together to do this, but we are together to do this. All across the globe, we're together to do this. All across the globe today, people are partaking in what Jesus started which is a covenant meal to remember what God has done to deliver us. He sent his son, his son on the night before he was crucified, took bread from a meal and said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. He took a cup from the Passover meal and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant in my blood, do this in remembrance of me. So I'm gonna ask you to do something quite awkward after I read this scripture as we close today. I want you to look around your house and find a piece of bread or several pieces of bread and partake of communion together. If you don't have unleavened bread, 
improvise. I want you to find some juice. If you have grape juice, great. If you don't, improvise. And what you do with your faith in remembering Jesus is important. And right after I pray this prayer, think about these words and partake in communion together. We're doing this all across the valley, all across Arizona, all across the United States, all across the globe together, even though we feel a little bit separated. Here's the scripture I'd like to read. 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We have a shepherd who's looking out for us. We have nothing to fear. Do not be afraid. Thank you for joining us today.